All right. All right. Thanks. Howdy. I think we're good. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like there's already quite a few people jumping on, so that's awesome. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Uh, happy, what is it? I don't even know. Friday? Friday the 13th. How's it going, everybody? Um, I figured we would maybe have a couple minutes for people to hop on, and then um, we'll kind of get this thing rolling. So for those of you who don't know, today I have my amazing guest on. This is Kevin Connolly. Um, several of you know he wrote this incredible book, Above the Ashes. Um, and believe it or not, Kevin, there are actually some people on here who might not know who you are. So, <laughs> um, before we get started, though, I did want to take a minute and say thank you for coming on. I'm super excited that you decided to join little old me and all these other amazing folks. Um, but I figured we would start off, let you introduce yourself and just kind of dive in with, uh, with your story. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I, I was looking forward to, to chatting with you. Um, geez, yeah, no, I don't think a, a lot of people in this world know me. And I, I never, I never wrote this. When I wrote this book, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to become famous or people to know me or anything like that. My My number one goal with this book was to try to help someone that would go through times like I went through we're all guaranteed to go through adversity and through rough times and, and my ultimate goal with this book wasn't to make money it was to give back to our community and to help someone that was really struggling through a rough time and I've got such amazing responses from from lots of different people and, and cultures and, and different jobs but I received a message the other day from a wildland firefighter that said my book saved his life and so oh, when I look back on you know if I sold X amount of copies or this many or that many, it, I did what I wanted to do. And that was to help someone through a really dark time. And I'm blessed to have a tool like this to, to help people. And, and mm -hmm. the trick with that was being real and authentic when I wrote my book and, and telling my truth and telling the process of where I was and how I got out of that. Sure. sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that, it's so important nowadays just because especially with social media i mean people are so accustomed to highlighting their lives and showing the good stuff and that's great but we also need to be real and authentic and be open about hey i'm struggling you know this is this is what i'm going through so i think i think you're on a phenomenal path just sharing your story and being authentic being that voice letting people know like like hey you're not alone we all struggle and that's, that's okay. You just got to keep going. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so do you want me to start just like at the. Oh, you cut out a little bit. Um, did you want me to start sure. with what I went through and then, and then talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I think if you just kind of do like a recap, I think that'd be awesome. Just like I said, if there's folks out there who don't know that way, they kind of know, know your background know what what kind of we're going going on about yeah totally um well i've done so many different things in my life but i started fighting fire when i was uh 30 years old was my first season um i've done a lot of long distance hiking and i just decided to go try something new i like being outside i like hiking and i like protecting the woods so i was like oh i'll become a wildland firefighter and i uh joined an engine crew up in montana for my first season and i 
fell in love with the people, with the job and, and what our purpose was and what we were trying to do. And I just, I, I wanted to um, just keep doing that. I felt like it was like a calling to me. And I remember on a fire being on the engine, um, watching some hot shots hike into the, the smoke and go up this big mountain. And I was on the engine and we just stayed at the road. And I was like, oh, I want to go, go up that mountain with them. And uh, then I got lucky enough to uh, go work for the Snake River Hot Shots for two seasons. And then my last uh, season in fire was working on a module in Yosemite National Park, which was awesome. And then everything, I've been, gosh, happy and positive and in a great headspace for most of my life. And mm-hmm. um, I never understood mental issues. I never... I just couldn't relate to, to them. You know, everyone I think has been sad, but I never understood depression or people that have a lot of anxiety or panic. And um, I do understand grieving. I've lost a lot of people close to me, but I didn't understand a lot of these mental issues that people go through. Um, and then after the my last season in fire was when I started to go through um, a lot of mental issues, I started to have severe panic attacks. And it was just it was fucking hell for a long time. I couldn't do, I stopped doing everything that I loved doing. Um, I'm an avid runner and hiker and and cyclist. And I stopped doing all that. I literally couldn't do anything. Um, just the panic disorder that I was, um, that I got after my last season was debilitating and it just stopped me dead in my tracks. And I lost like, it was wild because I lost hope. Like, I would try to tell myself in my head, like, I'll get through this. Things will be better. It's okay. You're going to get through this. And I try to say, like, positive things to myself, and I couldn't get out of it. And um, every day for a year, I felt like I was dying. And after feeling like that, like, how I coped with it was I was trying to calm down. So I'd have a few beers to calm down. And that's not what I wanted to do. But I was so ashamed for what I was going through, and I was – embarrassed and I thought I was weak um especially being a firefighter like you know I always was humble about it but you have this badass tough persona that you know you can go through anything and um I was scared to tell anyone my family my friends I didn't tell anyone the hell that I was going through in my own head and so I silently suffered and I used alcohol as a crutch to help me um and that would calm me down a little bit but I got so sick of self-medicating um and then i got really depressed with not doing everything i loved and i was like afraid to do anything like i'd go for a half mile run and i'd start to have a severe panic attack and i'd have to go back home and um it just it it broke me um and then when i got depressed i got in a really 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 dark place and i didn't want to live anymore and i didn't tell anyone about that either um, and, and I'd never been in a place like that in my life and I just didn't want to be alive and it gets so dark when you get into a severe depression and I was having panic I got diagnosed with a panic disorder so I was having panic attacks all day long and the depression and trouble like insomnia and when you get in such a dark place like that you really think like the only way out is to kill yourself and that's not true, but that's the reality that you feel. And when I was there, that's all I wanted to do. And I almost killed myself twice in one week. And I'll never forget it was um, 
it was like a miracle happened. Um, I was trying to think of all the ways I could kill myself. Um, and luckily, I wrote about this in my book. I was like, if I owned a gun, then I wouldn't be writing this book right now. And oh, that's okay. true. Yeah. Um, and I thought about like cutting myself and I couldn't do that. Um, and so I came up with the idea that I just pop my seatbelt off and drive as fast as I could into a wall. Um, and that should do the trick. And uh, it was a, I was in a dark place and all the lights off in my apartment. And I looked at my dog and gave him a big kiss and I poured out, oh gosh, probably 10 pounds of dog food grab my car keys and I was ready to, to go. Um, and I walked to the door and I opened it. And right when I was like twisting the knob, it was so wild, like an angel came down and I like felt my dad's hand on my shoulder. And I just heard, heard him say, and like my eyes closed, it was like something overtook me. And I just heard my dad say, you never give up, son, you never give up. And it just like overtook me and I closed the door and uh, I was still in a dark place, but I was like, this isn't me. This isn't me. I have to do something. I have to, I have to, I can get over this. I can fight this. I can overcome it. Mm -hmm. I can heal. I got to do something. And I knew for me in, in my situation, like I had to change something. I, I couldn't yeah. stay. I was living in Salt Lake city at the time. I was like, for me to like jolt out of something this severe, I got to do something severe on the other like hemisphere of this reality that I'm in. Right. Um, and that's when I decided I was just like in a snap of a finger. I was like, I'm going to go ride my bike across the country and figure this shit out and attempt to overcome my mental issues. Mm -hmm. So that's how it all started. I went through hell for a long time. And so now yeah. I can really relate to people and, and have empathy for people. And in a strange way, even though like a year of my life was, was hell and, and uh, it was miserable, in a way I feel like it was a blessing because now I can relate to people. I can be empathetic and, and potentially help people for what they're mm -hmm. going through because I've been there as well. Right. And I think that's really, really important too. I mean, I've not been to the point where – I wanted to take my life, but I've definitely been through things that, and it's it's like you're you're in a dark room, and the only light, it looks like it's so far away, like there's this little glimmer, and you're like, man, I know I can get there, but like everything else is so dark, like I'm just I'm stuck, like how do I get out of this? And I, I'm of the mindset like if you haven't gone through that, it is it is difficult to relate and when you are in that dark spot, it's really difficult to reach out. Like you said, you feel ashamed. You don't want other people to know, especially I think for a lot of people in fire, it's, it is a pride thing or it's, you know, Hey, I'm strong. I got this. People look at like people look up to me. And mm -hmm. so, you know, unfortunately people often feel that it is a sign of weakness to reach out. But I mean, if that's what keeps somebody going, I mean, that's that to me, that's the opposite of a weakness. Right. Yeah. No, it's like, and that's what I learned. Like after I went through everything, I, I truly learned that like it takes so much courage to speak out and it really is a strength to speak out about what you're going through. And it's something we as like a, definitely a fire culture, but as a culture, just as human beings, 
We need to make it more comfortable. Like it's so easy if I like go see a movie or I go for a cool hike to come home and tell my friends like every little detail about how fucking awesome the day was. Like everything about it. Oh, this hike, you wouldn't believe this waterfall and this view and I saw this bear, whatever it was. But then in that same circle where we feel like there's all this trust and we could say anything, we're ashamed and we're afraid to say, today sucked. I'm not doing okay. I haven't been doing okay for a long time. And we need to learn to accept each other as we are. Um, right. It's just so important. And we need to have a culture where people aren't afraid to, to say what they're going through. And the other scary thing is when people are afraid to talk about what they're going through, then you don't even know that someone's going through so something. Mm -hmm. And so then they're down, stuck in that rabbit hole all alone for even longer. Right. You know, it's funny that you said that too. Like I, I think it was last week I posted something to the effect of like, you know, make sure you check up on your friends who seem like they have it all together because they struggle as well. And I think there's a lot of people who put on that facade of, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's great, but you never really know what someone's going through. And I think it's important, you know, check up on everybody, everybody that, you know, all the, all the people close to you, you know, the strong or the most strong, the people who think that they have it all together and the people who, you know, are struggling. Like we all need that, like that compassion and empathy and just to know like, Hey, somebody is there. That's huge. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah and you uh, like just what you're saying, like you never, never know what someone's going through. Mm. And one of the most wild moments to my life was, uh, this was years ago, but I was up in Portland, Oregon, went out with some friends uh, for the night and I was uh, walking back to my buddy's house and we all got split up and I was walking over one of the, the bridges up in Portland, Oregon. And there was a guy walking towards me um and i could see this guy's like face it looked like he was crying and it was dark out and and he just looked sad and i could have just walked right by him i mean i never thought anything of it and i just saw this guy's sadness and i felt something so i just said um hey man how's it going you okay and uh he's like i'm not okay and i decided just to stay there with him and i talked to him for a little while and I said, where, where are you going, man? What's going on? And it was cold and windy up there. And he said, I'm, I was about to jump off the bridge. And uh, he, he was about to kill himself. Mm. And I ended up staying up there with him for a while. And we talked. And then we walked off the bridge together. And it's amazing when, when you just ask someone how they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, some people will open up. And I could have just walked by. But, mm. I, you know, and I don't know if I... You know, obviously that night he didn't jump off the bridge. He might have done it the next day. But at least someone was there for him that night. And it's important, like, to be there for strangers. Always be there for yeah. yourself. But be there for your friends and, and strangers. You yeah. never know the impact that you'll have on someone just by listening to them or, or talking with them. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I got goosebumps. That's amazing. Damn. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. Um, and yeah, when I, um, the first person I really spoke out to about when I decided to ride my bike across the country was, um, I called Burke Miner with the Wildland Firefighter Foundation and it was late at night. I left him a voicemail. I said, hey, Burke, I'm going to go ride my bike across the country. I want to raise some money for uh, 
for the foundation and uh i'm in a bad place give me a call back and sure enough he called me back the the next morning and we talked about it and set up the fundraiser and yeah i felt like i had a uh, um people with me there the whole time i had so much support from the foundation from the firefighting community throughout my whole uh my whole ride and mm -hmm. the community through fire is so close and so tight-knit, and I really got to understand that firsthand when I spoke about what I was going through, what I was doing to overcome it, uh, my purpose. I was trying to help myself, but I was also trying to raise money for the foundation and also to um, raise awareness about mental health on my bike ride. And mm -hmm. people, wildland firefighters were helping me almost in every state that I rode my bike through. People would watch Rocky for a day. People bought me hotel rooms. Uh, people took me out to dinner. So I, I, I never felt so much love from a community like I did as being a wildland firefighter. And I'm so grateful for all the people that, that donated and, and helped me. And a couple people rode a few miles with me. And it was an incredible journey. And it, it truly saved my life. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful that I had that experience. And I, I came out the other end a, a better person. So um, yeah. it's amazing. When you, I, I gave up hope for a long time, for a year. Um, I never thought that I was going to bounce back. Like, I really felt like, I don't even know if I'm going to smile again. I was in such a dark place, and I wasn't fun to be around. And it's just amazing. You can go from the darkest place you can ever imagine, and you can get out of there. You can overcome. You can heal. Um, it takes time, and it takes effort. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that I wrote about in the book was, nothing changes if nothing changes. And I love that one because so many times in our life, we want things to change, but it's like, what the fuck are you doing to make a change? You know, you have to like get up and do things. It's like, I want to lose weight. I want to be faster. I want to do X, Y, Z. It's like, well, go out and run. Make it a routine. You go, you go run every day and then talk to me in 90 days and I guarantee you'll feel better. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's something else too. Like I, one of my um, it's a coach that I have. That he he said something about like if you don't if you don't change, you're not gonna win. And you know you you said it like if if you make that effort and you do the thing, like you're you're gonna see results at some point. And I think the biggest challenge with that is just getting to that, that point where you're like, okay, I'm gonna go from feeling awful to doing something about it. I think that's oftentimes like one of the biggest hurdles or struggles that people face. Like I know for me it is like when I'm down, it's like, man, I know I need to get up and I need to go work out and I need to eat better. And I need, you know, there's like the checklist of things, but it's that hump of, Oh, Hey, I need to do that to, Hey, I'm doing that. And now there's progress, you know? Right. No, it is. That's why they say like, the hardest part of running is like tying your tying your shoes, and that's so true with like everything right. in life. It's that first step. Like when you're going through mm -hmm. rough times, like the first thing is just like realizing what you're going through. Like taking a step back and being like, "What are my feelings?" You know, and you don't always know why you're feeling a certain way, but trying to recognize how you feel, and then you have mm -hmm. to, at least for me, like you have to forgive yourself. Like it's okay what you went through. It's okay what you're going through. And yep. then you have to speak out about it. Whoever it is, a stranger on a bus, a therapist, your parents, your family, whoever it is, 
that first step of, of healing and letting go is, is talking to someone. But you first got to tell yourself, like, I went through some shit. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, it takes time, but it takes effort. And the only person that's going to that's gonna get you out of those dark places in life is yourself. You have mm -hmm. to be willing to do the work, whatever it is. And not everyone's going to be able to just pick up and ride their bike across the country or go hike, you know, 2,000 miles. And you don't have to do that. It's um, whatever you think is going to help you get to a, a better place. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's so many different outlets, too. Like you said, I mean, it doesn't have to be riding your bike, but getting to that point of, like, acceptance, forgiving yourself, and taking that breath and, like, diving into what you love. I mean, I think there's a lot of healing that happens in that instance. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was so wild, Dana. Like, I went from wanting to kill myself one day to a week later riding my bike, San Francisco down, down to San Diego, and then eventually across the country. I almost felt better, like, right away. And I think a, a huge thing that happens in our community with fire is you go from this tremendous amount of purpose. Like at the beginning of the season, you're like working together as a crew. You're getting this cohesiveness. You're learning to trust each other and work together. And this mm -hmm. bond grows throughout the whole season. And you have this purpose. You're saving neighborhoods or you're saving this forest. And then you bounce over and save another forest or you save a grandma's cabin down a canyon. And you have this this very distinct purpose to protect communities, people, and wildlands of America. And then at the end of the season, it's just like that faucet of purpose and that uh, mm -hmm. team, that crew, that um, bond that you have, that brotherhood and sisterhood, it's just like snapped away. And then it's dark early um, and you just lost all this purpose you had. And I feel like that's, that's where uh, a lot of firefighters struggle with uh, mental issues and depression and, and stuff like that in the off season is they lose that purpose. And I think that's sort of what clicked me out of it um, was when I started riding my bike, it was like all of a sudden after a year of like just being fucked up, I had purpose again and I was driven. Mm -hmm. Like I had a goal to, to beat my demons, to overcome this. And I had a goal of riding my bike 3,500 miles ac across the country and when I regained that purpose, I was like, I was built up. I was slowly like building myself up again. So I think that's right. something that helps people so much is when they have a goal, something that they're chasing. Um, and I always say, don't be a dream maker, be a dream chaser. Um, you know, you can't just sit down and write your fucking dreams and hope they come true. Like go out there, do something every day to make that dream a reality. Um, yeah. You, you know, whatever you could be anything you want in this world, like nothing's impossible. Um, like you're not going to walk on water. Okay. But when I say that, I just mean you can, you can do anything if you like put your mind to it and you believe in yourself. Like right. everyone can tell you why it's not going to work, but you're the only one that can make it work or not work. Cause you're, you're either your greatest enemy or your greatest friend. So it's magical yep. what we can do. Yeah. I mean, even just to speak on the, uh, like the off season. I mean, I, I kind of had a weird fire season this past year. Um, going back home, I was in dispatch and it was like short term. And then I was off for a while, um, which was actually really diff 
difficult. Like I was, you know, working say eleven to fourteen hour days every day back, and then all of a sudden, I had almost like a month, month and a half where they didn't need me, and I was like, I can't not not work. Like I feel bad not doing it. Like right. I don't have that purpose, and you know, having time to spend with my family and time to go fishing like i i felt no purpose and people would probably kill for that opportunity but i was so uncomfortable and then luckily things picked back up and then there were the holidays and whatnot but now that it's kind of in a lull again it's like you know i need to find that purpose because otherwise i'm a little lost and you know i think i think that's important for so many of us is you know after that season of doing stuff back to back to back, you're with your crew or you're just on the go constantly, not necessarily mm-hmm. keep yourself, you know, driving into the dirt, but have some kind of a goal, have, have a purpose, create a purpose. And like you said, I mean, don't just make the goal. You have to like chase after it, make it happen. Right. Right. And that's so something. Important. That's something like I figured out after I went through everything that I went through that I'm very like goal oriented and um, mm-hmm. per, like purpose driven. And when I don't have a purpose, well, I think it's for everyone when you're like lost, it's like, well, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And that's why we got to be doing things is keep our mind active. Cause when your mind's not active and you're not growing as a person and you're not becoming stronger or you're not, you know, mentally stronger, um, mm-hmm. learning, you know, every day, then your mind starts to go to dark places and weird places because you're not focused on something. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it was a, a wild journey and yeah, riding my bike. I had so many amazing experiences when I was riding my bike across the country mm-hmm. and I felt like so many of the wildland firefighters that helped me out were kind of like helping, helping me come back to life. And, um, well, you read my book with the, when I rode across the Apache lands was unreal. Yeah. That was impressive. I'm like addicted to ginger ale. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, it was so wild. So when I was riding, do you want me to tell the story about the Apaches? Yeah, I mean, might as well go for it. Yeah, that was so cool. So I think uh, it was going into, um, gosh, what's that town? Uh, it was right before it's Stafford, um, Arizona. Anyways, so I wasn't too far in the ride, maybe 800, 900 miles in. And I had been interviewed by by, <laughs> uh, Fox, by uh, Fox 10 in Phoenix. I was interviewed about my bike ride and all that. And it was on the news, and I didn't know this, but like all the people on the San Carlos Apache Reservation, they like all watch the news, like religiously. So when I rode into this place called the Apache Burger, I got Rocky out of his trailer, and we were waiting in line to to order. And there had to be like 60, 70 people in this restaurant. You know, it's like a fast food, but it's like a truck stop in the middle of nowhere. And sure. I'm waiting. In line, I'm right behind this this big Apache guy, and he's got some kids with him. And he turns around and he goes, "Hey, are are you that that firefighter riding his bike across the country?" <laughs> and I was like, I was kind of shy at first, and and then he points mm-hmm. down to my dog, and he's like, "That's Rocky, isn't it? That's Rocky." And I was like, "Yeah, that's Rocky." And uh, I was like, "It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal." And he turns around to the whole restaurant, and he goes, 
Hey everyone, this is the the hotshot firefighter riding his bike across the country for for charity. And everyone started clapping. It, it was really cool. Um, and I just I had such an amazing moment after that. I was outside um, with Rocky, getting him some water and waiting for our food. And he came over to me, and he was a youth leader for some like high school age um, young uh, Apache kids, and they just got down from a tribal ceremony where they had face paint on and you know feathers and they were dancing doing rituals at like a parade type event and uh he said kevin we'd love to sing you a an apache song and so this song they used to sing for apaches when they would go out on uh hunting missions or they'd go out on raids they would sing this song called going home to help uh the natives come back safely um so yeah so the kids got out of the bus and one of them had a drum and they sung in in their native tongue uh in uh apache they sung for like 12 minutes and it was like i didn't know any of the words but i could feel it i got like emotional and it was just such an honor for them to to sing me that song yeah Uh, it was amazing and then the next day i was at a gas station and apache pulled over he recognized me and rocky from the news and he pulled up and uh, he had this big cowboy hat on and he had an arrowhead um, with sinew with like a thread on the top of the cowboy hat. And he pulled up next to me and said, hey, you're Rocky and Kevin, you're the firefighter riding across the country. And it was wild. All these natives knew, knew me. They saw me on the news. It was crazy. And uh, he, <laughs> he had this big like hunting knife on his hip and he pulled it out, took off his cowboy hat and he cut the arrowhead off his uh, cowboy hat and gave it to me to keep me safe on my, my travels across the country. It, it was That's amazing. So it was such so a humbling, awesome. humbling experience through the, the Apache lands. Yeah. You know, I found just the traveling that I've done throughout the years. I mean, that, that, it's just like leisurely traveling, but with, with something like with purpose like that, I mean, the human spirit is just, I, I mean, there's not really words for it. I mean, there there are so many things that link us together, I feel like, that we don't even recognize and we don't acknowledge. And that's just, that's phenomenal for them to just, to take you in like that, you know, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I had so many magical experiences um, on my bike ride. I really felt like the, the whole world was like, like smiling at me and and trying to help me and want to be a part of it and was was proud of what I was doing and I was just blown away by how everyone so many different ethnicities and and cultures and types of people um nothing mattered it was just some guy riding his bike across the country and people wanted to support that and it was it was such a humbling experience um and it was just amazing like every day I started to to feel better and started to feel myself again and it was roughly around like 1500 miles where i like truly broke through like broke through and like just like left my demons in the past and i i started to feel better and yeah since my bike ride i maybe had i don't know maybe two panic attacks in like uh, over a year which is just mind-boggling after having them two or three times a day for 12 months Good for you. I mean, that's that's huge. I think, uh, yeah, I think you 
did good on your bike ride. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still impressed. I'm like, dang, he says the first 900 miles, like, oh, they're not that bad. Like, whew, that's impressive. Yeah, no, I love riding a bike. So I'm actually, um, I'm excited in a few months. Um, I'm going to ride my bike from the Canadian border. So just north of Seattle down mm -hmm. to the Mexican border to San Diego oh, area, nice. which is right around. It's right under 2,000 miles and try to um, raise some money for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. So I'm stoked awesome. about, about that ride. It should take about like a month. Okay. Very cool. Are you, just, are you going solo or are you going to do kind of like you did before and have Rocky tag along and people help you out or what's your plan? Um, no, I, 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 after the first day towing Rocky, mm -hmm. so I don't think people understand, like Rocky weighs about 45, 50 pounds. With his cart attached to my bike and then all my touring gear, so, like, everything you would bring on a backpacking trip, you know, your stove, your sleeping bag, your raincoat, your clothes, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, I, it was, like, 160 pounds before I even got <laughs> on the bike. Um, and then all his food and toys and all that, all that stuff. So it was super heavy. And I remember calling my dad on my first day <laughs> leaving the Golden Gate Bridge, and I was like, I was like, mark my words, I will never, ever tow Rocky on another bike trip ever again. <laughs> but then I had 3,000 miles to go from there. Um, so, no, I'm not. I'm definitely not towing Rocky as much as I want to. Um, Part of me, sometimes I, I felt sort of bad. He's, like, kind of locked up in this this little container. I'm pulling him in. Mm -hmm. uh, I, he had a fun, He had a blast. He got to play on so many beaches and run around the desert and he, he <laughs> loved it and he's my best friend i mean it was so sweet having him there it just it, yeah. it does like on this trip i sort of want to like bust out some big miles and and not be worried about a dog and and towing him and sure you, you wouldn't believe how hard it was pulling him up some of the hills especially through the desert and the heat it was like some of the hardest work i've ever done yeah i mean i believe it shoot doing um just doing our PT stuff, like when I was on the uh, the engine, I guess two seasons ago now. Um, just doing some of our PT stuff in like hundred degree heat. I mean, I can't imagine just biking all day long in that. And if you, you know, in the days that you did have him behind you, I mean, that's a lot. That yeah, I, would, I, I wouldn't <laughs> change it for the world, but I'm not fixing to do it again. Um... But no, uh, Rocky's yeah. good. Yeah, he'll be turning two. Yeah, he was just a puppy when we did that. Oh man! Um, so he'll okay. be turn, turning two in a couple months. Um, and then yeah, I just started training for uh, fire season this year, which I'm really excited. After two years off, uh, getting back back into that and and awesome. doing what I love, love doing. So I'll kind of like this year yeah. I'll have a mix of mix of my two of my favorite things: fighting fire and then riding my bike pretty far. I love it. Man, I I, I kind of have good feelings about this year. I don't know why, but just in general, I think a lot of people are like, you know, this is the year for, like, self-love. Like, do stuff that makes me happy. Like, I'm all about it. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear how it goes. That's very yeah, cool. Yeah, like, eight or nine years ago, I set a goal for myself that I, I think it's important to set goals and, and, and big goals, too. And I set a goal that every year of my life, I want to do something selfish, you know, that's like all about me. Like I want to go hike really far, bike, whatever it is, do something selfish 
And then mm -hmm. I want to do something selfless for others. And I learned that that really puts me in a good headspace because I, I took care of myself and then I helped someone else out. Um, yeah. So I've been doing that for a lot, a lot of years and it makes me really happy. Uh, my mm -hmm. first fire season up in Montana, um, Hurricane Harvey struck uh, Texas, the Houston area. And I remember we lived, I lived in a cabin in, in Helena and didn't have a TV. I don't even think I had a smartphone. And uh, I remember going out to the bar after a fire and seeing that on the news with my, with my buddy, my engine boss. And it just like, it touched me in such a unique way. And I felt inspired to go help the people down in Texas. And I just went to my, uh, to my boss, 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 uh, the fire chief or whoever he was. And, I quit my job and said, I'm going to drive down to Texas tomorrow and, and go try to help people. And, and that's what I did. He, uh, didn't consider me quitting. Uh, he just said I was, it was the end of the season, but, uh, yeah, I've been inspired to get back, back to others. And I just started driving down to Texas with no, no plan in mind and started a fundraiser on the internet. And, uh, my engine boss flew down and picked him up in Dallas and we raised, uh, close to like $5,000 and we went to, uh, poor neighborhood in Port Arthur, Texas, one of the poorest uh, communities in the country. And uh, we'd have to drive like two or three hours to get supplies because everything was flooded and there was no running water. And we'd go three hours north or something like that to Walmart, get all these dried goods. And we'd get like, mm -hmm. it was so cool. We'd, we'd have to get like a Walmart person to get like a pallet jack and we'd get pallets of gallon jugs of water and tons of canned oh, food. Okay. And we'd make these in trash bags. We'd have like um, like three days of, three days of food, and then we'd give them like three gallons of water. And we went door to door. We did like a grid through Port, Port Arthur and helped people for about two weeks, and it was amazing. And it's amazing how it feels when you help other people. How it like really helps you. And I truly believe like you let your love pour out, and you just watch it flood back in. And um, oh yeah. You know, a lot of people believe in karma. You can call it whatever you want. Um, I do believe things come back. Like you take care of the world and the world will take care of you and, you know, yep. have a positive attitude and, and be nice to people and, and just watch the world smile at you. Yeah. I've found, I mean, just for myself, like the more that I help other people, the more that I reach out, the more that I give. For me personally, I mean, that, that fills my cup. And it does come to a point I really like what you said about being like selfish and selfless, like giving of yourself, like that can fill your cup, but also taking time for yourself to do things like for you. But man, just that human connection, being able to reach out and help other people and not do it expecting anything in return. That, right, totally. Like there's, there's so much just like, it's like magic. Right, right. And yet, yeah, yeah, you can't want anything in return. And that like goes back to like your intentions with, with everything in life. Like what's your intent? When you have bad intentions, good things don't happen, you know? And when it comes from what your goes heart, around, and, comes around. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you gotta have good intentions. And um, yeah. no, I've been blessed. Um, my parents taught me at a young age to, to give back to others and, and help less fortunate people and, and be caring and and uh just be nice to the be nice to the world it's so easy to be nice to people it's hard to be mean to people 
Yeah. But, um, yeah. I always feel like, like, like you, you encounter some of those grouchy people and you're like, man, like, isn't that hard to walk around and be grouchy all the time? Like, those are the people that I just want to go up to and be like, hey, here's my smile. Like, you can have it. Like, what can I do? Like, how do I make your day better? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Just. Mm. So much. Yeah, fun. but I think, like, if we want to get back to talking about mental health. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just think, like, one thing that I noticed, like, fighting fire, um, so I started fighting fire uh, five, six years ago. And what I noticed was, I want to say in almost, I can't think of a job. I can't think of any day in high school or, or college where anyone even talked about mental health. Like, I don't remember that even being a topic. And I feel like in the fire culture, um, there's just, you know, like the Part of it's like the energy that you give out is part of the energy you receive. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed since, since I started talking about depression and my mental illness and my panic disorder and what I went through, that like I meet so many people that are depressed. So many people. Mm -hmm. I also meet so many people. It's almost like everyone I've met in the last year is related to a firefighter in some way or a first responder in some way. Mm -hmm. so like we're all connected. But it blows my mind how many people are going through things that don't talk about them. But when you open up that avenue, when you open up that circle, like when you're honest and you're like, oh, mm -hmm. I went through this, like something brutal. Like, you know, I don't walk around and say, like, I almost killed myself. But just saying sure. I, went, I went through a, a hard time, then other mm -hmm. people are comfortable talking about it. And I just hope, like, with my book, I hope that it will help firefighters know that it's okay to not be okay and truly understand that they're not alone. Like there's other people that have gone through um, similar, similar things mentally. Like we're all going to go through our own struggles. They're all going to be different, how we process them and, and what we do to react to them and, and overcome them. But when we're in that moment, we have so many similar stories and it just breaks my heart when, firefighters do kill themselves and there's so many resources out there that can help people. And the scariest part, like when I went through it and I wanted to end my life, I didn't write a letter. I didn't call anyone. Nobody knew. And so I can understand how that happened. Um, because you just, you don't want to talk to anybody. And I don't know right. that the response to how we break through and, and really let people know that, like, talk to somebody, please, you know, because we're always so sad when someone does it. And we're like, oh, I wish I would have called them. I wish I would have done that. But like, you can do that now to people that ha might be there. Mm -hmm. Like, you can call people now um, before it's too late. And yeah. I had people call calling me and asking me if, he was, if I was okay. And most of the time, I just, I lied. And that was easier yeah. for me than telling the truth because I was so, so ashamed for who I was, what I was going through. And it's, you shouldn't be ashamed. Like, it's just it's part of life. We're all going to go through adversity. It's a guarantee. Right. So I'm curious then, you know, say, say you were back in that headspace where you were thinking like, okay, this is it. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to end, I'm going to end it. You know, if you have people checking in on you, calling and, 
you know, they're concerned or they're like, hey, man, how's it going? Like you just said, I mean, you you didn't tell the truth or you were like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. You just brushed off whatever. What, um, I hate to say, like, what what could have been different, but, like, in that situation, do you think it would have been, like, is there something else that could have helped you in that moment or how... I don't even really know what I'm trying to ask other than like I so I think I understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. Like what yeah, like, I, I what would have reached well, you, I guess. Yeah, I my my biggest thing was like I sort of moved to Salt Lake City on a whim um for a girl I was seeing and I didn't really have I didn't really have a lot of friends there. So my friends were far away like my two like really best friends are across the country and so my other buddy no one was in utah so i do think if like mm -hmm. my buddy lived down the street i would have been like i'm fucked up man Can, you should come over um yeah but i don't know what i would answer the door if someone knocked on it um mm -hmm. but i i don't know how you even read read someone's situation like that because i you would not have been able to tell that i was going through a rough time Maybe, right. I mean, I don't know. I think, I mean, to me, with, like, the whole discussion around mental health, I mean, that might be something that a lot of us need to start kind of honing in on, too, is, like, okay, when we've been in that situation, what what did I need? And I think, like, for myself, like, when I'm in that situation, I'm not thinking logically, like, I'm upset, my emotions are running, like, I've gotten to the point of being so upset where I'm just like shaking, I'm angry or I'm sad or I'm crying. Like just, you kind of lose it a little bit, mm -hmm. but like in that situation, like what would help, you know? Cause it's so easy. Like you said, when people ask, you're like, Oh, I'm fine. And I'm so good. Like I went to the grocery store the other day, whatever, right. but I don't know. It's, it's almost like for me, it's almost like you need somebody to get in your face, call you on your bullshit and be like, okay, I know something's wrong, but how do you bridge that gap, you know? Yeah, well, that's, that's above my my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, come, it comes back to, like, um, I mean, it's all within inside you. Everything's going on in your head and, and your body, and the only person that's truly going to snap you out of that is yourself. And it took me just being so sick of the way I was living, the way I was feeling, mm -hmm. like drinking to cope with my panic attacks and then drinking only made it worse and then that made me more depressed. And I just became like so upset with myself, with how I was living, that I wanted to break free of that. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to get out of this fucking pit and the only person that was gonna do it, that could do it, was me. Like I understood like no one's coming, no one's coming, no one's gonna come mm -hmm. and beat on my door and rip me off the couch and say, Kevin, let's go for a fucking bike ride. Let's go climb a mountain. It's time to get your ass back in shape mentally, physically. We got to do something now. Like you got to have that okay. self-talk to you where you get, it sucks that you got to get to such a dark place, but sometimes you got to hit rock bottom and understand that darkness. So, because mm -hmm. we've all seen the light. Uh, hopefully we've all had moments in life that are just beautiful and everything's fucking awesome and we're having a good time and life is just going great. So we all mm. understand that. And then there's times that might be tough, but when we hit that rock bottom, when we get to that totally dark place, 
we have to remember there's like another world out there and we yeah. know that it exists. Like, there's power in just knowing it exists. Like knowing that light place, that happy place is there. Now mm -hmm. I just have to realize where I'm at and I have to trust the process. I have to trust the journey and I have to write my own fucking map of how to get back there, what it's gonna take, because it's not gonna happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You might feel depression for years, um, and you might have suicidal thoughts going through your mind for you know, months or, or, or a long time. So it takes you understanding where you are and wanting a change, and then writing down like a map, like how am I gonna guide through these mm -hmm. waters and, and get to you know these treacherous waters and get to like the safe calmer seas you know and i think i think it's all within yourself like because most of the time when we like let ourselves get so deep in that hole that it's only us that can also like dig back out of that hole so i think there's so much power in just realizing and respecting and accepting where you are when you're in that dark place like i'm fucked up I'm fucked up. I need to do something. And after yeah. you tell yourself that, like, tell someone. Like, I called Burke Minor, and I was like, I'm fucked up, and I'm about to go do something. And it also helped telling, for me, it helped telling the world that I was going to go ride my bike across the country because, like, I'm a man of my word. Like, now that the world knows Here. I'm going to go ride my bike Tellable. across the country, <laughs> like, I got to fucking do it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I like told myself, like, I'm in a bad place. I have to go do something. And I decided mm -hmm. it was time to, to fight back. And that took a year. That took a long time. Um, I mean, essentially, I wasted a year of my life silently suffering because I was too stubborn to speak out. But it takes courage to speak out. Like, like to be fragile is to be tough. And we have this image being firefighters. Like, we just shut up and dig. And we just, you know, do our job. And there's a time and a place for that. Like when you're in the middle of punching fucking direct line for 16 hours a day, you know, you can't really just run up to your soup and tell them you're really sad and can't do that today, you know? But I think there needs to be a culture where at the when you're going to roll, I'm not in a good place. Like, is there a therapist that I can connect with and speak with that, that can help me? And where that's like acceptable, like where that's, and there's a trust there where you can say that and you're not viewed upon as as weak or like like a, a wimp or or something mm -hmm. like that like it's like all right we're gonna try to get you some help right i mean i think that's why it is important to you like doing what we're doing right now just just talking about it i think that's important you know the more the more that the word gets out like hey this is this is an issue how do we how do we solve this like let's talk about it be open you know i think that's huge in my opinion right no for sure for sure yeah talking about it's great and then a part, part of it for me was was also not it wasn't not talking about it when i was having like panic attacks every day i'd start to have like when i was going through that rough year it was like i'd have like moments like an hour or two where i wasn't thinking about it and i was distracted and then someone would ask me like Hey, are you having a panic attack? And then it would like set me into it. So part of it was like not talking about it for the, the panic yeah. attacks. Um, but it, it's interesting because the more people ask like, are you depressed? Are you sad today? You don't seem yourself. Like those questions also are too much. Like 
the biggest help you can do for someone that's going through a rough time is like sit in that dark place with them. Just fucking sit there. Um, mm -hmm. Like one of the greatest um, analogies that I that that I was taught was the difference between empathy and sympathy. And what I was taught was there's a man that's 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 walking through the the woods, and he stumbles upon this well. And there's a guy 50 feet down in this well, and he's crying, he's upset, he's in a in a bad headspace. And the guy up top walking by, he just hollers down there, "Hey, are you okay?" And the guy says down at the bottom of the well, he says, no, I'm not okay. And the guy at the top is like, oh, well, I hope it gets better. You know, I hope it gets better. And he just keeps walking by. And that's the sympathetic person. They're just like, oh, I hope it gets better. It, it kind of doesn't even mean anything, right? And, uh, you know, a few minutes later, another guy walks by, the, the empathetic guy, and he gets to the top, top of the well, and he, he, he hollers down to the guy like, how are you doing? Are you okay? And the guy's crying. He's upset. He says, I'm not okay. You know, I'm not doing good. And the guy up top grabs a rope and he climbs down in the well and he sits there with him. He's in the well with him and he, and he sits there with him. Yeah. And that's the empathetic person that's going to go to that, that same place with you. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're going th through those times, like it's so easy to judge. Like if your friend's going through a rough time, maybe they just want to sit in a dark room and, and drink liquor or whatever it is. Like, Maybe you don't like that they're drinking themselves to oblivion, but maybe that's what they need right now. And judging them with what, how they're coping with it, if they're not hurting themselves, like cutting themselves or something, it's okay just to sit and get, you know, let your friend get drunk and let his emotions flow. Um, and then try to help him map it out when, when it, that opportunity is open. But the key is just being there for someone. Like, you don't need to say a word. They'll fucking talk. And if they feel that trust and, and they feel safe in that environment, they'll, they'll get to talking about what they're going through. Yeah. I mean, I've been in that position where it was somebody that I was dating several years ago, but I was struggling with something and was just in that bad mind space. And uh, the constant, like, well, hey, you just need to choose to be happy. Hey, it'll be okay. Hey, hey. And it was like, it was like this nagging that constantly reminded me, like, there's something wrong. And it became that self-feedback loop of, like, I feel bad. I'm kind of expressing it. You're telling me there's something wrong. I feel bad. Now I feel bad because I feel bad. And it's like, right. like you said, sometimes you just need somebody to be there. Like, Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, it's, it's tricky to navigate, but just knowing somebody is there to be with you so you're not by yourself, sometimes that's the best thing that you can do. Right. And what was so tough for me when I finally, um, so I did try to get help. And uh, unfortunately, it took four months for me to be able to see a therapist, which I hope wildland firefighters understand that if they need to get help, there's resources out there that you can connect with most of the time, like within an hour. Um, you can call the Wildland Firefighter Foundation and they'll get you a therapist. Like it will happen immediately. You don't have to go through your primary care doctor and then get a referral to a therapist and then a huge wait list. But it took me like four months to see a therapist. Um, and it was sort of wild because my first time speaking with a therapist was like after I already biked 200 miles and I, I was feeling better. Um, the best thing I loved about therapy was I got to vent for like 45 minutes and this wonderful lady would just like agree with me. And I fucking loved that. I love that. <laughs> 
<laughs> like complaining about someone and her just being like, that does suck. Like that really does suck. And I was like, yeah, it does fucking suck. Thank you. It's the empathy. Uh, but no, I, I think therapy is great just to have like a, a safe place to say exactly how you feel and, and what you're going through. And, and they have tools and, 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 uh, different ways that they can help you to, to cope and adapt and, and overcome and, and different practices to, to get you in a, a better place. So I, I recommend therapy a hundred percent. But as, as I will say a hundred times, like it all comes from, from right here, from your heart. Like you got to want to make a change and you have to understand, like you can do it. You can um, like in, in my situation, I lost complete hope. Like I was hopeless. Like there was, no way. That's what I thought. And like what I thought my reality was like, I was never going to be better. I was never going to overcome these panic attacks. I was going to be depressed forever. There was no way I was going to overcome it. And what happened was I understood that that was my perspective, but that wasn't my reality. When I understood my reality was not that that's what I was allowing myself to think, but that was a perspective. My reality was a whole different thing. My reality was I could hop on my fucking bike, go ride across the country, and I can get better. And then I realized I'm going to change that perspective, and I am going to get better. That's huge. I mean, perspective versus reality, that's, like, it's actually pretty profound. Yeah, well, like I think that. that's what's what happens um, to us is we have a, a different perspective than what is actually real. Like in my head, when I was having panic attacks all day long, every day, and like it was fucking hell, and I couldn't do anything, my perspective was like, this is my life from here on out. Like there's, yeah. I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to die soon because that's all, I felt like I was dying every single day. But that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. But because I t told myself over and over again that that was true, I allowed it to to be true in my mind but right. that wasn't like the the reality you know you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. totally yeah i mean it's like you get so focused on something that your your world like the world is out here but this is your little slice of it and if this is all that you're seeing you're not necessarily going to get this so it's kind of like you gotta you have to break out of your perception to see reality totally totally yeah, it's a beautiful life we get to live, and it's unfortunate, but adversity and death and and disparity and hard times, it's only a matter of time before it's going to happen. And our character as human beings is going to be defined by not how many times we're knocked down. It's going to be defined by how we get back up and that courage to fight back. Like, you're going to take a few punches, but you better throw a few back. Mm -hmm. And that's the strength that we all have within ourselves. And sometimes we forget that, but it's always there. And um, I always tell people like you are stronger than you will ever know. And it's all about finding that, harnessing that and letting it go and finding your purpose and, and your why. And you just got to trust the process. Good things come with, with good effort, you know? Absolutely. I feel like I need to be like jotting all these down and putting them on like, like pictures around my house or like <laughs> right on my mirror, <laughs> something. 
man. Hmm. Well, I did uh, I did just kind of look at the time, too. It looks like we're running on an hour right now. Um, looks like we still got eight folks on. So I don't know if there's anybody out there that has some questions or things that you guys want to chime in. Um, I don't know, if, Kevin, if you're up for that, answering some questions or if Yeah, no doubt. Anything. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, anybody have a question? Uh, um, I saw a couple little comments here and there, but it wasn't like direct questions. Um, I know when you were talking about being in the Apache Nation, Danny, um, he said, sounds beautiful. It makes me think about Chris Ledoux, his cowboy hats, so much purpose. Not really entirely sure what that means, cowboy hats. I'm not hats, sure. That's a song. I'm not I don't sure. know, Danny, if, if you're on... Let me know. <laughs> oh, there's Sam. Um, Sam Piercy. You both are awesome. What's up, Sam? I love you, brother. I still actually need to get with Sam. He texted me the other day and was like, yeah, what are you doing? Like, you know, I was going to catch up with you. And I was like, ah, I can't. I'm busy right now, but we'll get there. We'll um, get there. Yeah. Yeah, and I uh, maybe a little pitch for my book. If people do want to yeah. read um, my book, Above the Ashes, you can get it at kevintheauthor.com. Um, so this is my story as a wildland firefighter, being on an engine, a hotshot crew, and a module, um, and then the mental issues that I went through and, and how I overcame them, um, how I fought back and put my demons to rest and riding my bike 3,500 miles across the country and raising a lot of money for the Wildland Firefighter Foundation and, and mental health awareness. So I'd love if you got my book. I think it could uh, change your life, inspire you, and um, potentially uh, save your life if you're in a really dark place. You're not alone. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll second that. It's very well written. I mean, super conversational, which I love. And it, I mean, there were so many times reading your book where I just I was like, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. It's fine. Maybe I am crying. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's very real and genuine. And I'm very I'm I'm proud of you. And I'm also very thankful that you wrote that for. For so many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, it looks like nobody has any questions, but I could have some cool mm -hmm. answers. No, I think a good way of ending it. Um, I, I love the quote that I wrote on the back of the book. Um, I'm pretty biased, but um, <laughs> remember that life and your character are not built upon how many times you are broken and beaten down. They will be defined by the strength and the power that you provide yourself to stand back up and overcome the adversity that will strike us all. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for, for having me, Dana. And uh, yeah. yeah, I love your anchor and flank hat. I got to get me one of them. Yeah, no, I'm super glad that you came on. Thank you very much. Um, this has been awesome. And thanks to everybody that came on and watched. I will, assuming everything goes right, um, I will go ahead and post the recording of this. So it will be on Instagram. Um, I also have it on my Facebook page for Anchor and Flank. And then today I actually just made a YouTube channel. So all of the live like the chats with fire, I'm going to be uploading all those onto YouTube. That way, if you want to like snag it off the YouTube, send it to anybody or whatever, it'll be there. So, 
Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap for today. All right. You got to end it with like, God bless America. There we go. God bless America. Amen. Uh, we take <laughs> cool. care. Have a wonderful night. Thanks for uh, having me. And yeah. uh, hopefully we'll see you sometime this year. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Kevin. And everybody have a good night. All right. All right take care. All right. Bye.